do you care about this? Which about getting, like, the, getting the prize? Yeah, getting the prize. I mean, if you get money, it's. Um, I mean, that would be awesome. But on the other hand, it doesn't matter if you don't get money. So I've been looking forward for this performance for you know quite a while to have my piece here. Is that it though? I mean, it's pretty. I guess you kind of get a career out of it, don't you? Does like a career happen with like what's the? What's, like, the I, thing I think that it happens? depends on the country. I think in Sweden we don't. I don't think it's a big deal. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. I think. I don't know. I think it depends on the country. In Sweden we have a we have a tradition of don't we don't compete in music, in art music at least. These last years actually suddenly began to change. You know, it's kind of funny because I think for a lot of years there has been a lot of music, money in Sweden for composing that you would get, you know, the possibility of work grants and, yeah, no different things like that. And now suddenly they're kind of, you know, it's getting less and less. And then suddenly they're shifting it to having composition competitions. Like this last instance, they got a lot of money in one of the orchestras. And what do they do with the money? So it's supposed to go to new compositions for you know for pieces for young composers stuff like that so they don't have to deal with the fact of finding interesting composers to commission pieces from in a sense and it you know there is own but they do have to deal with it though because they still have uh, people apply and then they have to look at it and decide who wins which is obviously who's the most interesting well but you you sort of you know then you there's this i don't think anyone sort of sits down for four months and just writes for nothing an orchestra piece for instance to send in and perhaps get rejected it's a, you know it's people that perhaps are in their studies i would never sit down and write an orchestra piece That's for true. four months for a competition uh, for a competition for something you, that probably got decided beforehand <laughs> like oh let's give it to joe well i mean well, i guess not joe i mean his it name de- wouldn't be joe i mean everything but... de- i mean if if there is a specific jury i don't know and and that jury will decide you know on 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 different grounds i mean you cannot know or what any I mean it's just I think it's stupid anyway. I think it would be better if they would get that money sort of and go around in the world, look at different sort of festivals to sort of find, you know, a, an idea of what kind of music they would like to present in there. When how how yeah. recent is this development? I don't know it is. But I think the first sort of big hair orchestra competition came up like five years ago in Sweden or something like that. But of course, there has been other competitions before as well. But the idea of writing pieces for nothing and to send into a competition because they can't be performed and stuff like that, I would say that it's a fairly recent thing that happens in Sweden. Even if it's very common, I know that it's very common around here. You live in in Stockholm? Gothenburg. Um, So that's where you are right now? Yeah. You're just being a composer there? Well, I just finished my studies this uh, June. Are you planning on staying there then that you finished your studies? I mean, there is not much of a scene <laughs> for for notated new music in the sense that I do. So, But it's I, I like the towns um, very much and I like being there. So, But it's not a big... I mean, in Sweden, we don't have a big new music scene in, in general. Um, but most of it is, of course, located in Sweden, uh, Stockholm. Would you be able to say that there's a prevailing style there or... In Sweden or in Gothenburg? In Sweden. In, Sweden. in Gothenburg. <laughs> what's, the, what's the Gothenburg sound? Yeah. Well, actually, I do think that there is a specific sound to different cities. It's hard to say anything definite about that. But I remember when you know when you applied to when you were supposed to begin the university, it was the talk among you know the students was that there was a specific profile in the different cities. To a certain extent, I, I would say that it's kind of true. I like to characterize Gothenburg, you know, as being an anti-intellectual city, 
but with a sort of vibrant improvisation or noise scene in a sense. But the um, note hit music is very sort of peripheral. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> what do you mean I'm, by anti-intellectual? Well, you know that you should your art should not have um, have too much intellectual content, at least not in its uh, projection. Or it should be more sort of has an aura of being in the moment or more sort of carefree and yeah you shouldn't have to reflect too much on the expression would you say you fit into that uh category no 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 and actually i don't think a lot of uh, you know people in that environment is and that's why one of the reasons why the new music life in, in gothenburg is kind of provincial okay but, but, it's, but it's a tip i would say it's, it's something typical of gothenburg in in a lot of different areas but but Sw so. but sweden in general doesn't have that provincial quality to it is it i is think it, sweden it, has a provincial quality in general I do think so. I mean, that's there. Are, it is in a way, it does have such a quality. But of course, I think Gothenburg is a bit special in this sense, uh, while Stockholm is a more international city in a sense. And perhaps Malmo, I don't know much about it, honestly. But but this is my you know private sort of considerations. It's that's fine, <laughs> but that's what yeah. we're here for, right? Yeah, yeah. This is the, I'm, I may change the name of the podcast to Private Considerations. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just let people know what's going on. Yeah. But I mean, it, it is, I mean, you know, for instance, I, I think we have an idea in Sweden about new music life. I remember at least has been up on in many sort of discussions or seminars that I've been to through the years, this idea of the Swedish music life is so rich, you know, that in Swedish music life, you have uh, the possibility of exploring exactly what you want. There is no dogmas in a sense. There is no sort of agenda from the, the most popular thing is to say that we have no sort of Darmstadt again, or something like that. We're okay, not, we're not yeah. infected, but uh, and then when you come outside and and, and visit Germany or other continental uh, places where music is uh, very big, you you realize that it's completely it's completely wrong. It's I would say that music life in Sweden is much more narrow in many other places. But we have an idea in general that we actually are very sort of free thinking and and are. Uh, I don't know what to say. Not detached from tradition, but that we can... Uh, bound by bound it. Bound by it, yeah. Weighed down by yeah. it. Yeah. But I think we'll actually... Are we too detached from tradition, perhaps, in Sweden? Too detached from yeah. tradition? Mm. Is that something you see, You seek to correct in your uh, in your own stuff, in your own music? No, I think I'm too stupid to, to have any aspirations of <laughs> being pedagogic in that sense, but I... But of course, I think for me on a on a you know on my personal work with music, I think uh, at least the last uh, years have has been important to. Uh, well, I think a lot of my training has been forced on my on my own in a sense to sort of look into um, new music history in a sense. Do you travel a lot? Do you travel and go to festivals and go outside of Sweden and uh, seek to get lessons with professors who are more. Um, rooted in the and aware of the tradition than you would normally be able to get exposed to i have been to i i i do travel i'd say i would say quite a lot but that really depends on who you compare with i think but i i, I mean i go to festival but usually i mean in because i have a performance or something like that so yeah it's often with a well both yes and no i guess but it's it's not with the intention perhaps of finding the uh uh, the traces of history in a sense in that case but i mean like being here or being in different festivals it always gives you a, you know a broader perspective of things of what is going on in different uh, different places and so on would you ever move to another 
Like you said, you said you just graduated from uh, Gothenburg. You said you like the city, but would you ever move out because it's not doesn't have like a new music ensemble or people you can get together and do experiments with? And yeah, I mean, it really kind of depends on where you are. I feel like, especially if you're an artist. Mm. So would you ever? Well, yeah, I guess like I, it's. I mean, it would have to be for a. Well, I could, I could definitely imagine. It's not something I can't. I sort of reject because I really want to stay in my, the place where I am. So, but it would, of course, be, uh, you know, there's, I mean, practical concerns about such things as well. So, but like getting a visa or like personal life that is like tying you down or. Well, yeah. I mean, I have a daughter that. Goes oh, to you school. have a kid. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. Then it's just not just. Oh, I didn't know you had a kid. How old yeah. are you? I'm 65 now. You're 65? <laughs> wow, I don't think you're available for this uh, competition. No, I'm, I'm, I'm 13, so... Okay. Mm-hmm. These last years I've had lessons with, on a very sort of unregular basis with Pierluigi Bologna, for instance. Oh, really? Yeah, but then I go to Vienna for a couple of days. Then, so so. you travel to Vienna to study with uh, Bologna? Yeah. I can almost... I can almost see that in your music somehow. I know maybe it's me projecting because you just said it, and then I was thinking about the piece. You still you're still studying with him? I think he's great. I mean, I had a uh, impulse, but he I mean he was in Graz when I was there, and I had this amazing experience where I didn't know I only knew his music. I didn't know what he looked like or sounded like or anything like that. Um, there was this discuss- group discussion going on, and he was like kind of sitting in the back of the room. He just kind of like raised his hand and ask the most like ridiculous like broad reaching question he like made up a word or something like he was like making up words and i was like who is this idiot i was like this guy is like i was like i i I thought it was uh i thought the guy was like a patron you know i'll give you ten thousand euros for my rich family and then i get to hang around and ask dumb questions and pretend i'm smart i thought it was like that type of person and then everybody was like that's beyond i was like that's him and then he gave a lecture. I didn't like I didn't like his lecture at all. I thought he was like clownish and everything like that. And then I had a lesson with him and he blew my mind in the lesson. Like if you get him one on one, he really takes the time to like know you and takes your stuff apart. He's a very, very analytical person. I think it's like an Italian personality <laughs> that's like, like he's so Italian, mm-hmm. you know. So what did you get out of him? Did you But I mean I mean the first thing that I mean was of course I mean I I'm was I came across his music, but that was uh, a long time ago. Well, a long time ago, but I mean, for like four or five years ago, something like that. And, but most, I mean, the big discovery of his music was during the composing of the piece we heard a couple of days ago. How old is that piece? It was from 2010, but it was during 2009, I would say, that I really uh, got into his uh, music. And a lot of this, that was because of the flutist also, who sort of uh, showed me a lot of his music. The flute is playing in the piece yeah. today. Richard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, but the first time I met him was in 2011 when I was in this uh, academy course in, in Russia. That was the first time I, I met him. But I, I mean, for me, I, I think has been amazing. I think I was uh, blown, away, blown away by his presence. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the first kind of meeting. It has this... Wait, for the me, presence of him as a person or the presence of his music? Well, the presence of music is that was um, that is amazing, uh, in, in, but also as a sort of a, a lecturer or a, I mean, and the one-on-ones are, I think, completely amazing, basically for the reasons you say, but also this kind of 
where you suddenly feel that music is is not just a profession or a work or a, you know something detached from you, but it's part of some sort of humanistic experience. It's personal, sure, but it's also something which is could be something more. I don't know what to say, common or. So you heard? Did you hear that in his music, or just from listening to him talk about it? Or I mean, what did, when you first stumbled upon uh, Bellone's score, what was the piece? The first one was Mani di Leonardo's okay, percussion yeah, yeah. solo. What was the discovery for you in that? You know, honestly, I mean, the first thing that I mean, I had been. It was around a time where you know when I felt this kind of difficulty understanding what kind of why my musical expression was, in a sense, I felt differing so much from what I really liked in art in general. I mean, if we take away music in, in literature or painting or stuff like that. And I felt that like the music that I was listening to or taking sort of inspiration from often contained these kind of things that I wouldn't really, you know, that I really wouldn't perhaps accept in, in that sense in, in, in a book or in a painting or uh, something. And then I heard this Mano de Leonardis and, and, and when I heard more of his music, suddenly I heard these qualities that I felt like this is something different. For me at that moment, I remember this feeling that this is not built on some sort of, I don't know, dialectical principle or structural logic and, and this big sort of, I don't know, paraphrasing history in a sense. It was something which was, you know, a ritual, something which was a really a presence and something just emanated from sound in itself, not from things that were put on the sound to work in a certain way. Then, of course, the years has gone by and it's different now, I would say. But this kind of... Wait, his, mu his music is different or your music? My is perception or, or my knowledge of his music and so on. But this kind of this presence of the sound and the ritual, that is still, for me, extremely important in did his you music. So did you feel like you had to hear an example of it before you knew where to go? I mean, it was not the first time I heard Mandalorian. That was not an epiphany. But it was something different, so that made me listen to it more and more. And then I guess it was an epiphany. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. it was not. It was not like that. It was. It's more of a slower. It was slower. I mean, and it's it's music that is really you have to give time. I think it's it's so. And it was diff for me. It was different, even if people can say that it's um, you know that it's like Lachenmann or whatever. But it's uh, no, for I me, think it's it, completely it, it different. Has, so. No, it's completely. Mm. I think it's completely different for most people. Mm. It has a. It's it's a different mode of listening. I think it requires more space, and it's it's a, it it flows differently, doesn't mm. it? Yeah, it's got a different internal pacing. I would oh, yeah. say, I would yeah, say definitely. Yeah. yeah. What was your music like? Like you said, you were frustrated in the music you were listening to and writing before that, right? Yeah, maybe not frustrated, but not fr well. Yeah. But it, you know, you go through these different phases, and and you get bored of things. But of course, I would say, I mean, like, I I would like to think of this flute and percussion piece as kind of a defining turning point for how I worked with sound uh, but I would say of course that the sounds that I used in that piece I had been was not uncommon to me it was I had been working with uh, a more noise oriented music for several years I would I, I guess it was you know it was something of I don't know perhaps the pacing in my music or were they like 10 minute pieces before <laughs> you know I'm, like, no, actually, I'm th were, thinking no, of the music yeah. and like, no, I'm trying I to imagine it and I picture like the 10 minute you know two-thirds form like climax in the middle like every other piece we've heard on this festival yeah everything yeah. is 10 minutes long no no i wouldn't say i mean 
one thing which is big i mean the way i and you know what that i discovered music through uh, i mean c- contemporary this kind of notated music i mean i i really was into goth metal music and or goth rock um you know of course so like a proper swede pr- like a proper swede yeah, yeah. and uh I, I, you know, I, I had been playing, you know, classical piano when I was younger and so on. But you know, then I began to play the classical guitar, with the idea that that would help me be, you know, really fast, so I could play. <laughs> you know, that was my problem. But then I got stuck with the That's classical a, guitar for other reasons. Let me let me guess. Sixteen years old. Yeah. Uh, well, fifteen. I mean, with that, fifteen. That is such yeah. a fifteen, sixteen-year-old uh, thought. Yeah. Like so, as a life plan. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but that actually passed very fast because I was really captured by the classical guitar when I discovered what it was. Uh, but at that time, I still had actually... I remember having this conversation with my guitar teacher. And was there that, eye makeup involved? I had to imagine this in my head. Yeah, actually. Yeah, But, but now we're going too private. So, uh, but, but, but I've always been very modest. But I remember having a conversation with my guitar teacher and, and saying sort of like... Because we were playing, you know, the, the Spanish repertoire and... and um, why is there, you know, I, I, I didn't understand why there were new, no new pieces <laughs> written. I don't know, I was so naive. But I really didn't know of the concept of new music, you know, new notated music. But then, of course, I discovered it through Kaya Sariaho and Sofia Gubaidulina, this kind of really, you know, serious kind of, how to put it in English, but that kind of music. But also I was very sort of into, you know, like the, some sort of opera expression or opera music. I would say because, and it's, for instance, Wagner, who had these occult themes, you know, going on, which was so, of course, big in goth metal music, you know, uh, or black metal, which had these kind of influences of things. Um, and it took me a long while to understand sort of something. And I think I, I you know, I, I went into music with this kind of big sort of desire for expression, I guess, in in, in music. It took me a long while to understand this kind of you know like in black metal in in really in the first wave of norwegian black metal you have it's so minimalistic in a sense you have uh, i mean like one of dark thrones really early albums i have no idea know. i have no idea well, what these bands are well, but i can but i transylvanian so hunger you have basically one sort of you know you have one what do you say drum rhythm or what do you say that it goes on for almost the whole album it's the same one they have in all tracks you know and then there's one place where he has a fill, which is different, and then it's back, and it's and it's so and, and it's so lo-fi. The guitars and everything is so, but and then you, you you know basically they just scream, you know. But the expression level of it is is gigantic, of course. It is it has such a, you know this young naive sort of, I guess anger, but also you know desire to sort of express something, which that is a core I think that I wanted to have in my music, but it took me a long while to understand, to really go into the sound to create it instead of, you know, the forms of it or the, yeah, the, the structure of it or whatever. So you think there's like a goth metal, okay, I mean, like a goth metal core to this flute and uh, percussion piece? Well, I mean, the, the problem is, of course, I don't want to be associated with, uh, you know, the kind of... Uh, <laughs> I'm doing this yeah. is a bit of like a, you know so you just told me this information so I'm doing a bit of an analysis yeah. and of course I'm reading into it but now I picture like God screaming and like the stick on the uh, the yeah, stick no, screeching sure. yeah. I mean it's it must be I guess I mean the things that really brings you into music or brings you into something I think they appear because of a reason 
And there's, you know, it's, I don't want to be nostalgic about it, but there's a core of it, I think, that is really important. And it's the, you know, this rawness of sound uh, that exists there. And do you, you know. get, do you get turned off by a certain type of sophistication then? Do you know what I mean by mm, that? Yeah, yeah, no, uh, sure. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, that's, you know, and that's one of the dangers to work in. And perhaps that was the problem with what I felt with, you know, when you work with noise sounds, uh, at least as I feel the way I, I work with them now, I think you can't sort of, for me, you can't work with those kind of sounds in the, in the idea that they are possible to, to use in categories like melody and, and harmony. You have to work with them in a different way because if you work with them in a more academic sense, they, we, we cannot sort of understand them. We have to sort of appreciate some sort of noises, some kind of difference. It's, you know, it's always, in a sense, been like that. And now when we sort of, as so many composers do, sort of just work with the, the noise instead of, you know, we have to be aware of that we are changing.
Do you have a problem with sophistication of experience? Does that make sense? Part of the joy of listening to Bach, mm. you know, just as a, the most basic example, is that it's a, it's a very sophisticated experience mm. that lets you become aware of all these relationships that's happening between these different voices and how that's amounting to like a vertical functionality somehow, right? Mm. That's a very sophisticated type of information mm. would you say that you would have a problem with that if someone was trying to do that in your music i mean my music is of course a sophisticated music um, and it requires sophisticated kind of listening it's but it would it's yeah i, I mean 
you can't listen in the same way to to to, to my music as to Bach. That, yeah. That's that's for sure. And I think music history has, I mean, has a music history is it's really long, of course, but it's still goes through different periods of turning points for the listening ear. So. You mean like basically listening in, in the same structural way of, I mean, it's, yeah. yeah. I mean, or, since it is based on completely or, different principles. Or it, any type possible. of structural listening, I mean. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, of course, I listen structurally sometimes to, to music as well, but, uh, but it's, it's, it's a state of mind that I really want to be in the sound of a piece or in, in the specific ritual of a piece. And that's what I want to create in my music as, as well. But of course, I, I can't control a, I'm not interested in controlling a listener either. But, you know, to present something which is open for the listener to join in. But you can but you can control a listener in your presentation of something. Yeah. I, I mean, guess so. What are some of your strategies for doing that? I mean, not 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 what I just said, but like you said you want to create for lack of a better like a ritual that you want the listener to join in on. Mm. Uh and finding a way to get into a sound and just kind of appreciate it its depth what are some of your technical strategies for doing that like how would you how would you compose how do you think about it when you compose i mean i, I don't have i mean i have strategies i guess in composing of course that's what i uh, meant yeah no. uh, but of course they are I, I, I mean i it's it's hard to give definite answers about that because even if i think i'm I, you know i'm trying to it's a process that is changing all the time, of course. But at the moment, for instance, I mean, uh, I really work with, you know, working on instruments and working with recording uh, my improvisations or my experiments with the instruments. Also working with, for instance, now when I'm working on a percussion tree, I've been working quite a lot with filming also what I do in order to uh, get a perspective of what I'm doing and how I'm doing it and uh, et cetera, et cetera. But of course, that's the strategy of composing. Um, but of course, I mean, I'm listening to what I'm doing. How do you discover something? Like, how do you know when something is like that? I'm going to use that because that's actually got the depth that I want. I don't know if I begin with that. I mean, I'm not sure that I'm sort of sitting waiting for that moment to appear. In a sense, I'm exploring, I guess, the different ways of, for instance, how to to uh, to touch uh, an instrument or to make sound with an instrument and... Um, the, I mean, the journey becomes, in a way, I do this, if I do this, and then I do that, and then I combine this, and, you know, suddenly you are inside kind of a universe of possible possible sounds or connections. And I think that that, that is the moment when hopefully something sort of is realized. But I, I'm not sure if it is at that moment a specific one of them, of the sounds or, or, or the things, but it's a combination but of course, when I sort of reflect later on in the process, I do realize perhaps which of these kind of techniques or sounds, which actually, I would say in the best case, actually are actually emanating basically all of the sounds in a sense. But I wouldn't say that I'm, I know, I'm not sitting at least waiting for that moment to happen because it can't, it's not an isolated thing. It's a connection. It's a relationship with so many other things. Do you feel like you have to control the context that your pieces are performed in? I mean, I, I can, I never, I'm never able to. I mean, I'm I'm never the, in general, I'm never the one organizing the concert. But of course, I, I guess I have, a spe- I mean, I have a specific idea of how I want, how I would want the piece to be performed in its best, in a sense. But I mean, I, I obviously, never, like, yeah. not at a bar with people chatting in the background. But I'm also talking about, like, 
as far as a concert. I think the Gariamos piece you had performed, I think I already said this to you, that should either be only the only piece on a concert or this or one of two pieces on a concert. Because the level of concentration and the type of concentration is so unique that it's very difficult to shift gears from a piece that's working on a mode of thinking that has more of these concrete, tangible relationships. Do you know what I mean? Mm, not sure. But I never sort of write that into a score, um, uh, this kind of thing. But I mean, I think that piece is difficult to, uh, to appreciate uh, in, in the wrong context, in a sense. Um, and I, I mean, I would love for the piece, and I think it's, it's a lot of my latest pieces that I would really love, love to have performed in, that the audience would be sitting very close around perhaps or almost in that small hall I'd maybe like i bet you would work really well in that small hall in the museum that we're sitting in right now yeah the problem is that it's so hot in there so yeah that's, that's true that's really yeah. a problem so you wouldn't be able to concentrate i think for that reason <clears throat> but i mean I, I for instance one thing is I, I for me it's not that important you know with a with a the acoustic i don't know sweet spot or something like that i think if people are sitting in a very strange geometrical position to the it doesn't really matter. It creates another experience, perhaps. I mean, it's so much about the the way you do things, and 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 in this sense. But I'd never write these kind of things into my scores. Would you? For me, it's it's too. Uh, well, I might. I mean, don't know. In the future, perhaps it's it's a possibility, I guess. But I think I, there's too many things that I don't know about my music at the moment. So, please don't perform this piece with the following composers. <laughs> that's, oh that's, my that's, god, <laughs> that'd be hilarious. Uh, oh yeah. well, what a way what a way to make enemies. Well, I'm Swedish, so I, I really wouldn't be part of that kind of. <laughs> that that would be horrible. I think. Uh, even it's, though it would be fun to read in another person's score, I, I, I can admit that. He put me on the list of pieces. <laughs> what the hell? And actually, other composers start not getting programmed because you get popular. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. oh, I like that shit list on a, on a score. So and so should not be in the audience. <laughs> That's like the writer. What's his name? Stendhal. Stendhal? I think it is. He, I mean, he, he writes in, in, about his work and the, that there are probably only. He's kind of, he's making an assumption that there's probably like I don't remember if it's ten or if it's I think it's ten people that he sort of comes to the conclusion in the world that it's possible to appreciate his work. But but he imagines that that is just because of how it is, the climate, the the, the bourgeois climate that is in his time. But in in principle, the amount of readers or experiencers are infinite, so but at that time, there were only like 10 people in the oh, world. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. It's weird. It's so delicate. You know what I mean? Pieces like yours are so... And I don't mean... I don't just mean in performance, which is also true. But I mean in like to get like to get the conditions right for it to work the way you want it to work. Mm. One slight thing is off. Like the room is too hot. The room is too big. Like would you ever write a piece that so it would be more durable? Well, I guess, but but I mean, I, I guess it's some sort of, I have to think, I have to have this kind of, I have to have these sounds, or I have to have this tension, this kind of point of that it just can just fall, that it just can crumble into pieces in a sense. I think it's a very sort of vibrant part of how I'm imagining music as well. 
and it's also the same thing that I can sort of really enjoy and and so many other things as well this where you feel that something is is really you know on the edge of it can sort of just become nothing but if it stays there it becomes also this extreme tension of expression I mean it's it's such a joy when I get performers that really understand that the music it's not about just you know big gesture even if it's a forte it's about this um, you know to really contain this tension of that this sound that I'm doing or this action that I'm doing which produces this sound it's really so important that I'm doing it with all of me mm-hmm. in a way that it also could break that that, it could. I mean that's a gr- I mean that's a fine approach to have but then a certain way you also have to have this kind of understanding about your life let's say that I'm the opposite of you and then I go okay I'm going to write this piece and it's not going to have that delicate aspect to it work where it could fall apart at every moment but now i can guarantee that i'm going to be communicating with people through any type of not any type but most types of conditions this includes players that might not have a lot of rehearsal time or might not be good it includes a hall where the acoustics are terrible you know i'm making an extreme example now but and then I would say, okay, I, I built it so I can talk to, still talk to people without being so subservient to the conditions, right? Mm. And then there's you who is saying, okay, I'm like the condition and any type of condition that I'm putting this in, it could fall apart at any moment. Uh, and because of that, I'm going to be actually not being able to communicate with so many people. And that's kind of your choice as an artist and also how your like your life as mm. <laughs> as a person mm. communicating with other people mm. so do you have like a zenness about you're just okay with that i mean i have to say yes to that question i mean <laughs> I, I really think that you know we have so much music and um, the worst thing i know is this kind of when you go to concerts and you feel and i feel that i'm listening with this indifference in a sense uh, just listening to some sort of on a very technical level just realizing the the level of orchestration or it's just a way of listening that I'm really and perhaps that is the listening aspect combined in this composition process as well that when I listen I want to be immersed in the piece as well and I, and, and in the composing I also want to have this well reality is not perfect I mean reality is, has always sort of yeah I guess the 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 durable music I described does suck like I'm picturing it in my head now <laughs> like you know, almost like oh, that's terrible <laughs> It's like really cheesy, really boring yeah. orchestration. Okay. <laughs> People get it, but they're not blown away by it. They're like, I guess that was a piece. Mm. And, they, and they clap like they're supposed to clap. Mm. All right. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it. But if we ended it like, a, you know, good for you. <laughs> you just feel like you have to maybe just have to find the right people, I guess. Well, I mean, I think if we, but my experience is that there are a lot of right people. You just have to get enough time to you know to be able to communicate i guess you could also be in charge of setting your own conditions like you could walk around gothenburg and find a hall that's perfect you know and then you can get some players together who have would have the time to you know work on your stuff and then put concerts together and you know eventually you would attract the right people and then you would be able to make it more consistent mm-hmm. but that takes a, l- a lot more work than just composing yeah you're like creating your own world <laughs> and i have to find someone who pays me for it but i think the uh one shouldn't forget that i mean for me it's extremely important also this kind of the meeting with the musician because i think the musicians have also during the years given me so much 
understanding about my own sounds or the, or how I should do them. I think, for instance, this flute and percussion piece is so much indebted to the work that I did with Richard and Pontus. And it's like I I often come back to this when I'm sitting writing with percussion music, which I do a lot, and but even actually other music as well. I, I so often picture uh, this percussionist Pontus Langendorf's hands or how he sits and how he sort of... I, I really do that a lot. So in a sense, certain musicians have really helped me in how to approach an instrument and so on, which is, you know, really crucial. And that is still, it's still something that uh, gives me a lot when I sort of have, uh, meet new musicians that, you know, that perform my music. Could you give this score to another player and they would know how to do it? Or is it so specifically tailored to these uh, instrumentalists that no, only, I think that, o- only no. they, like, on, like only Richard can do like the... That good, but like only <laughs> only he could do that uh, air sound, and only the percussionists. I forget what's his name again. Pontus. And only Pontus knows how to put the right amount of pressure on the on an inverted symbol to make it go. You know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's of course a piece that has, <laughs> it's, it's not so easy to perform. But Christian Smith and Annie Gordon did it in in the U in the States. Last where year. where in the States? In Oberlin. That work they did all by themselves. You know, they would send me some excerpts of how they were working and and so on. But I was not able to to assist them in any other way. And they did an amazing uh, performance as well. But they spent a lot of time doing it. But it's 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 it sounds different in a way. But it's very much the same. Are there big variations from performance to performance? For me, I think it's it's a huge difference. But I would. I don't know if uh, an outside sort of listener would see it as. I think that piece is so narrow in its bandwidth of its temporal material that it's... It has pretty, to be, though. Yeah, it has yeah, to be, yeah. and, and that's the important. I think that's there is such a limited palette of different kind of uh, fragments or cells of material. So I would say it's... They played in a completely different acoustic. That changes a lot, but but I really feel it's the same piece. I, I've only heard, actually, this piece of yours. Are they all narrow bandwidth pieces? You know, you, you, you talked to me about the type of experience you want to create, and you were also describing that uh, uh, death metal with the same... Not death metal. Uh, black, metal. black metal. Yeah. Is there a difference between those two? Yeah, huge difference. Okay. <laughs> Thank God I got that right. Mm-hmm. You described the uh, black metal, and that and that had a very narrow bandwidth too. You said there was well, that's the big. I mean, that's the, yeah, that's the big yeah. connection between o- the order music uh, and 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 black metal. But of course, black metal is something completely different, and I I don't think we should you know take that sort of comparison too far. It's important for me in a way, but I'm of course black metal music and and my pieces have various few other qualities in common. Unfortunately, I don't think, you know, that Mayhem fans really would appreciate my music. Uh, but with that said, of course, I think my later pieces has a lot of in common with uh, this, you know, this, this narrow bandwidth of working inside something which could be described as something very suppressed on one hand and something very manic or something like that on the other hand. But I would say that, you know, this fruit and percussion piece is in many ways a kind of a basic foundation for departure in a sense i have tried i mean i i do work in a very different way than i did in that piece now uh, but it departs from that one you could say that the 
the grammar or something like or, of my later works comes from that piece really but what i'm curious is is that is the type of experience you want to create exclusive to music with no large sense of difference does that make sense I think it makes sense. I think that is one of the lacks, though, in this flute and percussion piece, that the, uh, the is also a very closed universe. Yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, closed universe. In order for you to create a type of ritualistic listening, yeah. do you need to have a closed universe? Because no, of- that's, the, that's the key, I think, for, for me to... Or that's been the sort of the dilemma uh, since that piece, how to create this experience without closing everything. Uh, because I think that that was also one of the biggest achievements that I made in that piece was actually to close everything so extremely narrow. But the the problem since then has been how to, you know, to open this universe up in a sense. Because, I, I mean, the best music, <clears throat> the best pieces that I know have this quality that I feel that basically in the piece I could imagine almost any kind, anything happening in a sense. It doesn't sort of exclude, it's not a excluding it doesn't exclude things in a sense there are so many pieces that are built i feel on principles that exclude so much things so you wrote this piece three years ago uh, 2010 yeah. right yeah 2010 was first before yeah. okay mm-hmm. uh so have you made any headway in expanding it yeah no, I, mean, I, I guess i have to answer yes you don't have to answer but, yes but it's also Why? very much no i mean i feel i still feel I honestly still feel very trapped by that piece because I felt that I had, but also because I had the time to work so much on that piece in a sense. And it was such a big thing for me during that time. I only worked on that piece and so on. So it has a special place for me, at least. And since that piece, I've never had the, really the, that big possibility of working exclusively on one piece and to create this big form and stuff like that, which I think... Has had a, it has been a point to that as well, to work on smaller parts of the problems in, in the music and so on. But I, I do feel that there's something in that piece that there are some of the problems in the piece or the um, insights that I got from doing that piece that I haven't really yet sort of unlocked in a sense. That I do feel. The things that I'm kind of questioning in that piece or how to proceed from that piece... There are certain things in that that I haven't really been able to unlock, I think. But that's because I haven't been able to formulate what it really is, I guess, in a sense. How do you how do you get yourself out of that? I guess since you're not out of it, you don't know. But yeah, I, I hope it's it's hard work and persistence. Really? That's it? <laughs> Just cracking away at it? Um, I, but I mean, it's... Uh, I mean, things can't go that fast either. It is, things has to take time as well. I think, of course... I hate that. Um, <laughs> Don't you hate that? Because you're right. Yeah. Well, I, no, I, I, I know. I think that the, the, the slowing down of processes, that's something that I really want to... You know, I, I actually... I, I like that. Or I, I like the idea of achieving it, at least. Often I think there are so much... But often you're not able to slow down processes. You have to... I mean, I'm never late with a piece, for instance. It's, well... I shouldn't say never, but as a rule, I I don't allow myself to to be late for meetings or whatever, sort of. So, so when you say slow down the process, you mean slow down the process of writing a piece, so maybe you can work through the problem instead of just 
Well, at least allow that kind of space. But, it, but if, with that said, I don't mean that you have to take one year for each piece. I mean, sometimes things happen so very quickly, you know, for suddenly you, you get this kind of in this state of mind where you feel that now I really know what I want to do. And then you do it, of course. But there's also it has to do with this reflection period, I guess, also of a piece. You write a piece, but you have to ref have time to reflect also what happened in that piece and so on. It, it isn't necessarily the amount of time that you spend perhaps on one piece because I do think that also with, with flute and percussion piece the, the deciding sort of moments were a kind of a compressed time span in a sense when I really felt that now things are getting together now I have it sort of but I, I do think that, the, that there is a problem of this that, that, uh, that there is often a too small amount of time in between pieces that you write but if that's your life you know what I mean like mm, yeah. three pieces a year you know uh, four months per piece mm. And for you personally, that's not a lot of time to of reflection to to figure something out. Mm. Then your life should be working through a problem through writing pieces. If four months is a lot of time for you to sit down and think, or if you only have to write uh, one piece a year, then you can work through a problem within a piece. Mm. Yeah, I guess so. All right. Well, you know what I think should happen. I think you should start a black metal band with Benoni. <laughs> I don't think he would like black metal. Actually. I think I think he doesn't. But you studied with him for a while. He didn't like he 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 didn't know your personal interests or anything. He's such a personable guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I mean I, I mean he's a really. Um, but anyway, you get he never knew that part about you. Well, I yeah, but I don't. I mean, I don't think. Uh, I I think uh, you know I I never think he ex really. I don't think he really knows what black metal is. So now that you mention that, I should probably take that up to discussion <laughs> yeah hang out with them have a beer with them and like listen to this and like isn't this amazing between this thing that we're doing and the connection and that's why i got into it well black metal band you you on guitar one string and him on uh spring drum <laughs> really my tons of distortion actually he's really good on guitar so perhaps i should leave the guitar to him all right well I've, i think i've ranted enough okay uh thank you for doing this Thank you, Dan. Thank you for the muffin. That was good. Yeah. It wasn't a corn muffin, though. No, I, but, you know, there are limits what you can do in Dutch country. Do you think corn muffin would not be within that, you know? Like at healthcare, you can't get a corn muffin? I don't think so. No. Damn. I'm bringing corn muffins next time <laughs> for the whole country. I'm running for parliament. Corn muffins for everybody. Mm. That's my platform. <laughs> Giving out corn muffins. I'm like, aren't they good? Shouldn't we be eating these?